Everyone. Every book. Every second is magical. This is our every. Everyone. Every book. Every second is magical. This is our every. Hey there, awesome every fans. It's great to be here once again. This week, we have on every a very special request for information about the different kingdoms and species within the Dire Strait. Now, the Dire Strait is the section in the very center of Every's main continent. So far, we have met three kingdoms and the Dark Empire. We have Sokol, Lysica, and Zmaj. And we already know that the ancient King Dover merged his genes with the line of Sokol which created a new species. The other kingdom's species types might have been missed if you did not listen to the few little details that I described. So here we go. Froy, our main bad guy, and the darkness, his dark magic, are inhabitants of the Coven Sea, which is a small island to the west of the mainland. I created Froy and his lineage to be Ospreys, so they are a mix of ospreys and humans. They have the wings, the talons. They do not have tails, but they do have the eyes and beak on their nose. They also cultivate their darker aspects of magic to run the kingdom. Ugh, they're pretty bad. Now, King Dover combined his genetics with the Sokol Queen, who is a humanoid fox, and created a hybrid line. It has had some interesting mixes and remixes over the generations. The current Sokol line is graced with some thick skin, wings, and a mask of feathers around their sharp eyes. The Sokols currently reside in the Mid-South along a large plateau. Their borders to the south are where the blue sands of the blue waste start mingling with the yellow and green grasses of the plain. When Dover took over the kingdom, he made sure that there was equal rule between the king and the queen. That way, there was always the two of them running the kingdom and not one ruler. Now, the Lysikens were established over the hills of Hagen, to the east from the plains all the way to the edges of the Red Sea. Now, they are perfectly suited to this area because of their fox-like genes. These fox humans definitely do not have tails. They do have fur that covers their entire body, and their heads do have a very long hair. Most males keep it short. Their ears do stand up, and women do pierce them when they become mature enough to have children. Now, the Queen of Lysica rules alone and has for many generations. There are no kings or princes, only consorts and royal family members. They are treated well, but they are not allowed to inherit anything. The queen always strives to bear a daughter, no matter how far down the line, to carry on the royal line and rule their people, as is their belief that women will rule fairer than men. Now, on the west side, 
on the other side of the plains, snuggled up against the forest of time and the sword valley, is where the Zmaj make their homes, the perfect location for the cobra-like humans who love the cover of foliage and the hunting opportunities that it provides. These people are covered in beautiful scales of all colors. Males can have the hoods of king cobras, and they do not have tails. In this kingdom, the king rules over all, and no women can own anything, unlike the Lysikans. They are to be seen and not heard, basically. The king himself has at least three wives to ensure that he has the males that will inherit the line. His females that are born to him will be used as leverage to keep the lords and other kingdoms loyal. From here, I can't quite tell you about any of the other people that inhabit every. But I can tell you that there are a lot more, and they become even more interesting as we go along. So we'll go on. If you remember last week, we left our prince and princesses flying towards the Maj Kingdom to get to the forest in time, just in time to stop the beast and attempt to save and tame it. So, let's continue. Chapter 5 Forest of Time They raced down the road, slowing only when Princess Kira yelled to the prince that the horses needed to catch their breath and drink. During one of those times, Prince Hanner approached Princess Kira. My horse seems to be strong still. Why are we slowing? Tell me, how did you know? What gifts do you have that make sense of this? It would be quite useful in the fields when I'm working with the animals. Kira blushed and looked to the ground. Oh, my prince, I, um, I have a unique ability rare to even my people. I can speak telepathically with animals. The horses can run all day, but... When we make it to the fortress of the Zamash, they will be dead. We walk just long enough to preserve their lives. My mother has hidden this gift from everyone, saying it is useless for a royal woman, as the animal that we are only to tame is a man. She would rather have had the gift of moving earth, as most of our ancestors did. She flushed again, hiding her eyes in embarrassment and at the reference. She gave the prince a shy smile and continued. I was late to the banquet because my favorite mare was having difficulties with her labor. It was my guidance and strength of mind that got her through without needing a knife. Cutting out the foal would have killed her, and I would have been very distraught. Hanner considered her for a moment before he spoke. Such a special gift. I can see why you prefer the company of an animal rather than people. I find them less confusing than my people, eager to please. We may find you a life companion during the hunt. <laughs> Wouldn't that cause quite a stir in our court? We must move on, though, if they are ready. He gestured to the horses, drinking at the pool they stopped by. Playfully, one of the horses pulled at Lista's tunic, trying to get a treat. Lista turned and patted the horse, seeming more at ease than with it the day before. Kira took a minute and looked at each, in turn assessing the answers that she received. As she stood, she said, They are restored and ready for the road. I can't say that my backside agrees. She laughed as she leaped lightly onto the back of the saddle and began to trot towards the west. Their day continued in the same routine, covering much ground before resting. 
They had hours left until dusk when they caught the first sight of the forest of time as they crested the hill. Lista started grinning and urged her horse to increase his speed. She yelled back to the group, Home is only five minutes hard ride. The rest of the group smiled at her and caught her infectious incitement. Castle's homage would mean a short rest, food, water, and, as Kira insisted, fresh horses. They sped down the road faster than before, the horses excited to be at the end of their duties for the day. Lista was the first through the gates, barking orders for provisions to be packed on new horses. She ran into the castle and disappeared. Hanner was taken to an antechamber where cleansing basins and fresh clothes awaited him. Princess Kira received similar accommodations. When rested and changed, the pair joined their guards and Princess Lista in the courtyard. Princess Lista had not only changed into a new outfit, a loose-fitting and green tunic, but carried a large spear in her hand and bow on her back. Her stance showed she was in her domain, comfortable and prepared. The new horses were packed with fresh supplies, ready to go. Lista loaded her horse with a new pack she had filled from her chambers. She turned to Hannah as she finished tying on the bag. Prince Hannah, I have chosen some new supplies for us that will be suitable in the forest and the mountain. I know the entrance to the forest trail that will lead us directly to the temple. I must warn you, though, stay on the trail. Those who wander from it take years to return. Unless you choose to abdicate your throne, pay attention. The forest of time has claimed many who were not vigilant. Hannah could tell by her voice she knew a few people that were lost or were still lost. I will follow you. If we are ready, then, lead on, princess. Hannah mounted the stallion held for him with the grace that belied the soreness of his muscles. He watched as the group readied and followed Lista back out the gates into the southwest. Kira looked delighted as she mounted the mare provided, a horse who danced as Kira settled herself into the saddle. Lista galloped until they reached the edge of the forest at nightfall. She dismounted and gave instructions to her guard, who immediately began repacking small amounts of their gear into a backsack. It is two hours' journey from here, but we must go on foot. The horses have been trained to return to the castle. I have set a watch to patrol this area every two hours, watching for our return. The forest is dark, but it has its unique illumination. The foliage is entrancing, and the animals appear much different under the canopies. We will not need a torch to follow the path. Stay on the path and watch your feet. Do not touch anything without asking first. The prince gave instructions that his gear should be quickly transferred, and the horses sent on their way. As if I haven't packed everything we could need in my pack, he thinks he needs his, too. Maybe I should introduce him to a survivor while we are here. See how his pack prepared him for that. Lista's disdain leaked into the features on her face, and she quickly turned toward the forest. As soon as they were ready, Lista led them to a small trail that entered the edge of the woods. The prince was confused at first, for he couldn't see anything. He followed Lista's steps by sound until his eyes adjusted and he could see again. Every plant was alight under the trees. They walked through bright blue bushes and under colorful red leaves, each giving off their own brilliant light. 
The colors mingled and grew more vivid as the sky grew darker. It's like the stars have touched the forest and gifted the plants their light. I've never seen anything more beautiful. The more the prince looked around, the more he began to see why the Zamaj loved the forest. He leaned down to touch several plants Lista pointed out and watched the colors change by his touch. He saw a small squirrel look at him and run his bushy tail changing from blue to purple. As it ran through the leaves, watching a leaf fall down, his eyes fell on Lista for the first time. His jaw dropped when Lista turned to see if he was still following the path. Her bright emerald scales glowed dully in the light, and the dull yellow stripes had turned to a brilliant gold. The lines of her eyes and mouth had turned to a neon blue. She looked like she belonged to the plants at home in this darkness. Quickly, he recovered and kept his eyes to the trail. Lista blushed, knowing what he had seen. Oh, great. Now he's going to think I'm the most beautiful thing in everything. As if I haven't heard that before. Lista huffed at the thought and continued down the path. The sight of her and the illumination of the forest could only be described to her as she had never seen it. Many suitors that had followed her had begged her to marry them on the spot. Her beauty outshone the forest itself, nor so they had implied. A man could lose his heart's wind in this beauty. I should be careful. There is danger ahead, and it isn't only a beast in the forest. I forget there are two trying to capture my heart and crown. He glanced out of the corner of his eye as Kira whispered exclamations and raised her hand in front of her face. Her beautiful fur glowed like live purple fire, changing with every move she made. He turned his eyes back to the track in front of him, knowing if he continued to watch, he would be lost for good. Kira turned her attention from the purplish flames on her skin to Hannah's wings. All filled her eyes as he watched him move. The darkness of his skin made him invisible in the forest, and the silver tips of his feathers glistened a neon yellow, creating the illusion the wings and the eyes floated out of the nothingness. His yellow eyes shone from beyond the feathers on his face, a piercing lime green. Kira's heart skipped a few beats when they landed on her own, accompanied by a feeling of lightning striking her chest, stealing her breath. They trekked carefully through the foliage, occasionally pausing for Lista to point out carnivorous plants to stay away from. Once or twice, Kira asked what an animal was, and spent a moment consulting with it. Hanner kept his eyes on the path as much as possible. They continued conversations lightly, Lista teaching and Kira listening intently. Their communications became more amiable and less tedious. Well, at least she isn't a blundering waste of time. Hanner can't even keep his feet on the path without looking down. Lista sighed profoundly and stepped around a particularly pointy plant. Stop! Kira spoke quickly and fearfully, putting her hand on Lista's shoulder. There are beasts with a lot of rage and hunger ahead, and the animals are hiding from them. The beasts must be close. Lista looked around and nodded. The temple is about another five minutes west of here. She paused and touched the air around her with her tongue. I taste the blood and death. Some of the wild ones who live in the forest sometimes make a home at the temple. They must be in danger. In one swift move, she removed her bow from her back and knocked an arrow. 
before she could make another ten feet forward to the temple. A scream went through the air, followed by the most fearsome roar the prince had ever heard. He glanced at Lista, who had already begun trembling. I thought they were just a myth. The manticore, she whispered fearfully. Mother told of a creature whose roar pronounced death. It has the body of a lion, the tail of a scorpion, wings of a great bat, and, and, and horns of an antelope. It can gore and poison and stab you with its stinger and rip out your throat within minutes. It is said that they live in the mountains and only come down to eat. She began to move towards the sounds, her nerves steeled. Kira wasted no time drawing her weapons and listening for the beast's mind. She was frowning at the ground for a moment as she searched the animal's memories around her. Kira passed the prince and shook her head. Um, how did she know I was going to ask if she could hear it or speak to it? Anner drew his sword and dagger and went after the two young princesses. His heart was pounding wildly and his breath began picking up. He closed his eyes for a moment to steal his nerves and calm his heart. You two must stay near me. The gods have told me that you would be safe by my side. We fight together or we die alone. There will be more than one. We must be careful. He spoke the words, looking at each lady's eyes to emphasize his meaning. They looked at each other and nodded. Silently, they crept forward toward the temple. Another roar sounded through the forest. Three knew the beast was very near. Crouching in the low shrubs, they moved forward inch by inch to the edge of the clearing until they could see the ruins. Before them stood the makeshift town of the Wild Ones, tents crushed beneath large, bloody paw prints. The dead lie in the pieces, red blood covering every inch of the forest floor before them. To their right, they got a glimpse of two cubs cornering their victims. To the left, the manticore lioness pounced on her fresh kill to eat her fill. Hanner gulped the view before him. He had seen injuries in training, but none on this large of a scale. The air was thick with the metallic taste of blood, gagging his every breath. His eyes roamed over the area, searching for the animal. From the center of the ruin came another scream. As it cut off sharply, the ruined wall collapsed towards them, sending a shower of dust covering the blood on the ground. The alpha manticore stood from paw to tip of his mane, at least eight foot high. His twisted black horns gave him another two feet in height. His black spiny wings lay awkward against his back, scarred and broken from previous battles. He stood where the wall had fallen and roared victoriously over his last kill. He moved stealthily for an animal so massive, his tail curled over his back ready to strike. His face was scarred by three deep gouges from his right hairline to his left lower jaw. Blood poured from his mouth as he opened it to give another bone-chilling roar. He looked to his right and left, watching his mate and cubs as they cornered and consumed their prey. Him we must kill. The statement surprised even the prince as he whispered it. The wind told me I must choose whom to kill and whom to save. I see it now. The alpha male must die. I must claim the male cub. With the loss of their male counterparts, they will return to the mountains to find others of their kind. This area will be safe once more.
Lista and Kira looked at each other, determination filling their eyes, and readied their weapons. Lista removed a vial from her tunic and dipped three arrows in it. A paralytic that will bring down even him. The cubs and the lioness will not come to his side. Her aim true, she hit the lioness's foot, and she fell before she could even make a sound. Lista turned to the cubs and aimed the two arrows. They soared through the air and grazed the skin of both the cubs before hitting a tree beyond. Moments later, two soft thumps sounded as both cubs crashed to the forest floor. Lista looked to the two by her side and nodded. It was time to fell the giant beast. Hanner steeled his nerves again and stepped into the clearing in full view of the male. The lion looked up from his meal and stood, the bloodlust in his eyes shining brightly. He understood Hanner's intentions and fell into a defensive stance with his tail held high. Hanner wasted no more time and began to charge at the beast, avoiding the massive paw swiping at him. With each thrust of his sword, he hit a thick pelt. Blue blood began decorating his hunting suit. Overhead, the warning came just as Lissa angled her spear over his head and into the beast's tail. It fell forward, twitching inches from the prince's head. She jerked the spear out and rounded the animal to combat the rear herself. She started jabbing at it relentlessly, keeping the tail far away from the prince's head. Distracted with Lista's entrance, the prince hadn't noticed Kira at his side, covered in blue blood from her hit with her daggers. She circled to the left to better flank the massive beast and ensure that he could not use his wings as weapons. She had managed to slice the ligaments of his wings, which made them fall even more awkwardly than before hindering the beast's movement. Hanner was momentarily entranced by her agility and grace with her daggers, her footwork looking more like a dance. But that moment of all cost him. He didn't return his attention fast enough to the battle in front of him to avoid the giant paw swinging in full arc from the right and received a hit to his side. Large gouges from long, sharp claws that matched the scars on the beast's face ran red across his ribs dropped the dagger he held in his hand and stumbled. At that exact moment, the beast charged the prince and pounced, landing on top of him. Time seemed to stand still. Manicor's tail quivered and fell, its paws resting awkwardly on the ground. Hanner! Both princesses screamed at the same time, rushing to the manticore's head and found the tip of Hanner's remaining sword merging out of the back of its Hanner groaned in pain, clutching his right side, rolling under the weight of the manacore. The princesses used Lista's long spear to wedge the lion off the prince. Kira rushed to the guards, waiting at the edge of the forest to retrieve the packs. Lista examined the wounds and applied pressure as the crimson blood rushed out of the prince's body. My prince, these are grave. You have defeated the beast, but unless I use my magic, he will also have defeated you. You will bleed out before the sun rises. There will be a steep price for this magical act. Are you willing to pay? Hanner turned his head to look at her and fell back. He passed out without answering if he would accept the price for her gift. Kira returned with Lista's pack within moments, even faster than Lista could have predicted. One look to Lista confirmed her fears. They were going to lose the prince. Kira raised her head, determined not to cry, believing the gods would have some way to save the prince. 
I was just beginning to like him. Oh, please, please don't let this be the ending. Kira prayed she hadn't trained so hard to end up going home with nothing and no one. She refused to return with nothing to show for her efforts after fighting the most significant beast she had ever seen and survived the trial without even a scratch on her. Can nothing be done, Lista? Kira pleaded. Lista cringed. There is an ancient ritual I had studied once when I was a child. I can perform it, but there is a cost. I would need the blood of his betrothed. She paused, considering. That would be both of us, since he has yet to decide? The writings were not clear what happens after the ritual, but it saves their intended's life. Lista looked to Kira and noted that the tears had begun in her eyes. She is already in love with him, though I doubt she would even admit it to herself. There's no way I would shed tears for this arrogant know-it-all. I pity her, and yet I must save him. I refuse to let my only chance of leaving the cage I have lived in die here and now. Lista silently prayed the ritual went as she remembered. Not difficult magic, but very rare and old. It would be easy to see if she forgot something because the prince would die quickly. If Lista could recall it correctly, he would heal instantly. Lista trusted in her memory, not to fail her. She did not want to waste the opportunity to prove that she was more than just an ornament. Kira drew her dagger across her palm. Do it. We deal with the consequences as they come. I know you have come to like him, though you would deny it. Obviously, I have as well. Let him choose later. Save him now. She offered her dagger and her life's blood to Lista, who considered for a second before taking the knife and lancing her own palm. Together they looked at their bleeding palms, thinking of how, at this exact moment, they were more attuned to each other's desires than in any conversation they had ever had before. Slowly and lowly, Lista began to chant in the ancient tongue of her people, placing their palms together with their blood mingling. When she came to the climax in her chant, she slammed Kira's hand, entwined with her own blood to blood onto the wound of the prince. He gasped and sputtered, coughing violently and rolling to his side. They held him down, palms bleeding into his wound, as they watched the blood from their own hands mingled with his and began glowing a bright pink. Everywhere the pink blood touched, the bleeding slowed, then stopped and healed over. Within seconds the gashes were reduced to scars, the cuts on the ladies' hands stayed in their memories only. It is done, Lista said breathly, thanking the gods for the correct words and actions. The gods will determine the price. At their own time, we must move, and swiftly, before the female manticores awake. Tell the gods to carry him, make a litter. I will get the cub. I will keep it sleeping as he rests. Lissa rose and swayed with the effort, drained by using her gifts. Kira gestured to the guards at the edge of the forest. He lives. Take him, so we may return to the castle quickly. As soon as they had gathered their gear, built a litter for the prince and the cub, and gathered the weapons, they moved to leave. Lista paused and doubled back with the prince's sword and sliced the tail off the dead manticore, careful not to touch the end. It'll be his trophy. It will be useful to make an antidote for the cub. 
the poison should have been studied. Kira nodded in agreement and motioned for Lista to lead. They made their way carefully and slowly, taking extra time for the litter. They hit the forest edge just as the patrol came around the bend at daybreak. Fresh water was given and care for the scrapes the company had received while trekking through the underbrush. Lista's guard was sent to fetch horses and a cart. They lay, resting for the moment while they waited for their mounts. Lista's too tired to think about what just happened, and drank deeply of her water and closed her eyes. Kira placed her head between her knees, complaining lightly of a headache from too much light and too much noise. The horses arrived, and they loaded the gear, prince, and cub into the cart. Lista took care to dose the cub again, so he would not attack before the prince recovered. Slowly they made their way back to the castle, Lista swaying on her horse and Kira holding her head. Servants in the castle gave way to the riders as they entered the courtyard. Dane, take care. You need to cage the cub well. Wrap his tail so he cannot harm anyone. The prince has yet to wake to tame him. Lista and Kira followed the litter carrying the prince into the castle. He was taken to a bedchamber and left to be cleaned and dressed by the servants. Lista was swept away by her servants into a bath and then straight to bed as her weakness increased with time. Kira sat at the prince's bedside and began the vigil for his awakening, promising Lista to call if he even stirred. Her headache became increasingly intense as time advanced, yet she refused to move from the prince's side. Stray thoughts entered her head occasionally, and Kira wondered at them. She was used to hearing the animals intrude on her inner thoughts, but this was different. Silence in the room allowed her to rest her head on the edge of the bed. Swiftly, she drifted off to sleep. Chapter 6 Fleeting Victory A few hours later, Lista walked into the prince's chamber, noting that he had not moved an inch from where she had left him. Kira, still covered in spatters of blue blood from the fight, sat in a chair next to the bed of the prince, her head down on the bed, fast asleep. Lista thought about the ritual she had performed for him and couldn't help but wonder what the consequences would be. As she watched them, it seemed she could feel their exhaustion overpowering her rested state. She realized both princesses had demonstrated their interest in him, though reluctantly on her part, and their willingness to shed their blood for him. They both had fought at his side without thought of injury. She approached the sleeping princess Kira and gently shook her awake. Abruptly she jumped back as Kira pulled a dagger from her belt and silently began defending herself against whoever had touched her. With an apologetic expression, Kira realized to whom she was brandishing her weapon. She sheathed the dagger and sat back slowly. Fatigue still lined her face as she rubbed her eyes and face, realizing she was still covered in blue blood. Understanding the mindset of the princess, Lista whispered, I will watch him. You need some more rest and a bath. It's just now noon. Eat, bathe, and take a nap. I will have you summoned the moment he wakes. Kira gazed at her for only a moment before she nodded and followed the awaiting servant through the doors. If anyone else had given her the suggestion, Lista knew the princess would have refused. 
something had changed. Neither of them wanted to leave his side for any length of time. It began to unsettle Kira, right in her core. Lista took over the chair that Kira had vacated and gazed down at the prince. His dark feathers around his eyes had been cleaned of the blood and now shone brightly. She took a good look at him while he lay still, acknowledging to herself for the first time. He was very handsome. Her gaze ran down his body over the well-built muscles and lingered on the feathers of his wings. Fleetingly she wondered how it would feel to be wrapped in his strong arms and covered in his feathers. Shaking her head clear, she looked back to his face. Mm, I hope he knows what he is in for. One betrothed draws a dagger to protect him, even in his sleep. The other uses ancient magic on him to save his life, regardless of the cost. Both seem to care more for him than either is willing to admit. It will be challenging for him to choose if he has a choice left. How is it so difficult not to love him? I did not look to have any feelings for him, and yet, since the ritual, it's like we have a deeper connection than any suitor ever dared to. Lista looked down to her hand, remembering what she had done, fingering the spot she had sliced. Not for the first time this morning she wondered what the actions would cost her. She didn't want to lose Hannah, but she didn't want to admit she had fallen deeply in love with him after the ritual. The thought made her realize she hadn't thought of losing his hand before, and it disturbed her that it was possible now. It's touching you think of me. You can stop worrying now, the prince whispered groggily. You shouldn't deny your feelings like that. Lista let out a short yelp before recovering herself, lost in her thoughts. Prince Hanner had frightened her. You should be dead, my prince. So, I worry. You only have two and a half days to return to your castle for the crowning, among other things. How do you feel? Lista kept her face turned to the door where she motioned for servants to begin the task they were previously assigned to when the prince awoke. Strange. I could have sworn I heard you admitting you cared and you were frightened of losing me. I must have been dreaming. I feel sore from riding, tired from the long days, and there is an itch on my wait, scars here. Hannah pointed to where the manticore had hit him and became confused. He didn't remember having scars in that spot. Lista gazed at the prince for a moment, wondering if she had spoken her thoughts aloud without realizing it. I will leave you to dress and eat. Gather your strength. Your cub awaits your taming. I am told you need to do it as soon as possible. He is very trying. He has broken out of his cage at least three times since we have arrived. She gave him a snarky smile and swept from the room. Did I hear her say Kira was defending me? And she saved my life? Wait, they both care for me? Somehow I feel more connected to both. They fought with me. They tended to me while I was injured. Oh, what am I to do? I can't just choose one without more thought and observations of them. I also don't want to break their hearts. Servants surrounded him as they groomed and dressed him, finally allowing him to eat a bowl of hot stew. He noticed the princesses had left his trophy on the table, the tail of the alpha manticore. 
As he gazed at it, he heard in his head a conversation replaying in his mind between two women while they claimed his trophy for him. I must have been half awake to have remembered that. So the beast is dead. I have fulfilled half of my duty. Now, for the rest. Eagerly he instructed the servant on the tools he would need for taming magic. His instructions were to be carried out to the letter, or the magic would fail. He would need the courtyard emptied, a dagger dipped in honey, and his cub loose. They were to prepare a large heaping of meat for the cub after the ritual, delivered only when indicated. When he finished his instructions, Hanner told the servants to leave. He knelt and prayed to the gods to aid him in his task. The knock at the door heralded the servant who had prepared the courtyard to his specifications. Time had come to face the beast. This was the beast to protect him for the rest of his life. Hanner became nervous at the thought of how this animal's sire had gravely wounded him. If the princesses hadn't been with him, he would not be performing this task, and his younger brother would be crowned prince when he came of age. Hanner rose and followed the servant to the face his cub. In the doorway he took the dagger and, ins and inspected the honey tip. All was as it should be. The cub stood in the middle of the yard, pacing, his horns barely little nubs on his head, his wings too soft and small to carry his three-foot-long body. He was trapped. His head flitted side to side, reaching over the top of the two-foot hedges surrounding the fountain. He ducked, trying to keep the prince in view and hide behind the fences as much as possible. Prince Hannah rounded the hedge. The cub ducked, growling fiercely. He raised his tail and curled it over his body to protect him. Thankfully, Thane had wrapped his tail in a thick leather, so he could not sting. Hanner raised his dagger to the sky and began the chant which would bind the animal's life to his own, taming the animal for the prince's companion and protector. As he finished the first stanza of the chants, he sliced his palm and showed the bloody dagger to the cub. Hanner moved to the cub's side who now cowered as he started the second of the three stanzas. As he finished the second stanza, he flashed the dagger across the back of the cub's neck and placed his bloody hand on the wound before the cub could jump away. Beginning the last stanza of his chant, the blood mingling between animal and prince glowed in neon green, brightened, and healed both wounds. Hannah removed his hand and looked to the cub's back, where he had sliced his fur had darkened into the shape of a flying hawk. Hanner stood satisfied. The ritual was completed. Glancing at his palm, he noticed a small manticore tattoo had etched itself into his skin. The cub sat down and looked up to the prince with frightened eyes as he waited for his first order after the bond was sealed. Your name shall forever be a ruse. You will obey my wife and me. Defend us with your life. You have been bound to me your life as long as mine. Hanner finished instructing the cub who had investigated his face at his first word. Bring me the food. The servant hesitated only a moment at the doorway before bringing the bowl of beef to the prince. Hanner turned back to Aruz with the bowl in his hands. You eat what and when I tell you. Obey my commands and you will never go hungry. Prince Hanner waited for the great cat to acknowledge him with a small grunt and placed a first slab of meat gingerly between Aruz's teeth. The cub waited for permission before he devoured the food. 
Prince Hanner turned to the people who were curious, and venturing out of the battlements, and realized that there was quite a few still fearful of the cub. He is no longer to be caged. He will obey my commands from this day forth. He raised his voice for those in the battlements to hear. Threaten me not, and he will not harm you. Lista and Kira had come to Hanner's side to speak with and see the cub. Kira bent down and stroked the cub's head while she was silently speaking to him. He likes you, my prince. He admires your courage. She laughed and added, he thinks Prince Lista is gorgeous. Congratulations, Prince Hanner. We will prepare to travel to your castle as soon as you are ready. Princess Lista stroked the head of the cub and turned to await further instructions. Hanner studied the princesses and considered their faces, looking for signs of fatigue too high to continue their journey immediately. Something told him both women were fine, though he realized they hadn't had much time to rest in the last three days. This day was the longest they had been in a comfortable place since they set out on the hunt. Make the preparations. We will leave at dawn. We all need a good night's rest and a hot meal. A ruse will slow us down, as he is still small and, and will take two days to get home at such a slow pace. I will send a whisper to Trent to arrange the wedding morning of the third day, as we have previously discussed. I need to speak with both of you privately as soon as we can. My feelings for both of you will make this hard, but I must decide now. I cannot risk the journey back with the decision still to be made. Yet I do not know which to choose, as my feelings grow for them both. We didn't realize your feelings for us have changed so dramatically, my prince. I can say for myself, I confess to returning those feelings, Kira said, absently still stroking the cub and kissing his face. When she looked back into the face of the prince, it was filled with shock. I said nothing of my feelings, princess. Though I do appreciate your sentiments, it lightens my heart to some degree. Hanner looked to Lista for confirmation that he had not spoken the words aloud. My prince, I heard you as well. Our feelings are the same, though it took me some time to admit it to myself. Lista looked back at the prince with a light blush playing across her cheeks. Can they hear my thoughts now? Both of them? But we haven't performed the sanctum ritual. And both cannot be bound in a sacred marriage ritual. We haven't even discussed the process of the ceremony. Oh, I must still be dreaming. We are, my prince. We hear those thoughts. We must speak privately and get to the bottom of this quickly. Lista turned and entered the castle, leading the way to the vast library in the center. Kira and Hanner followed, leaving Aruz to finish his meal in peace. When Lista entered the great room, she flew to the far corner and removed a dusty tome from its place of honor and set it on the table. <sighs> to save your life, my prince, I performed a magic ritual between the three of us. We call it the Unzuman ritual. This tome tells us the story of the first to use it to save her intended's life. As you were not awake and had not chosen, we were both your intended. With Kira's consent and knowledge that the effects of the ritual are not fully known, we performed it to save your life. Do you know the rite of the sanctum ritual of which you referred? 
Prince Hanner gaped openly at her as he realized she had indeed hurt him when he doubted the bond between them. I, uh, uh, no, I have not made been, I, I have not been made privy to the specifics, as it only is performed between the crown prince and his wife on the night of their wedding. Are you suggesting it could be the same? Hanner dropped into a chair as he spoke, not knowing what to think or do. He placed his hands in his lap and watched Lista think, hoping his shaking hands wouldn't be hidden. It could well be, my prince. I will carry the tome to the castle and ask in the temple. Until that time, I'm afraid we have all been bonded. I, I apologize. I didn't know. Last came as a whisper on the wind to the prince's ears, who looked up into the tearful eyes of Lista. She looked away quickly, the fear of him leaving her because of her magical blunder flowing through the bond strongly. Hanner took a deep breath and laughed, remembering what the gods had told him. The gods spoke of breaking tradition with my marriage, my bond being the strongest yet. The gods led you to this ritual many years ago to prepare you for this task. I was going to speak to each of you and decide to whom I would pledge myself. It seems as though I cannot leave either of you at this point, so you can stop your fears. Lista scrubbed her hands across her eyes, dispelling the tears that had unwittingly fallen. Kira sighed, letting her relief pour out of her in a great torrent. Prince Hanner stood in motion for both the princesses to stand before him. He took their right hands in each of his hands and knelt before them. <clears throat> I, Prince Sokol Hanner, heir to the Sokol throne, fourth of my name, pledge my life, sword, companion, loyalty, and my heart's win to both of you. Should you accept, I will devote my life equally between you and share my rule and my bed with you. Our bond shall be strong and our flight of life long. Would you accept this life and be able to live beside each other as sister-wives? Kira looked from the prince to Lista, acknowledging Lista's eyes on her own. They felt their mixed feelings flowing freely through the bond and returned their eyes back to Hanner. United, they spoke in tandem. We accept your heart's wind, though we haven't wings to fly on. The traditional words of acceptance of the soulful engagement taught to them before they left the castle gripped the heart of Prince Hanner. With hot tears streaming down their faces, they embraced the prince, knowing this day would only be the first of the rest of their lives. Trials will come to tear them apart, but bonded, they will triumph together. Prince Hanner was the first to break the embrace and contentment he felt at holding his betrothed. The acceptance of his offer still filling his heart with warmth as he gazed into their faces. <clears throat> we, we do have a long journey ahead and many trials yet to overcome. Before fatigue takes us, we must plan out our return, the fastest way to home. We have time to get there, but with the new development there will be meetings to attend when we do get there. What suggestions have you? Well, there is a road which leads past the forest and directly to your castle's surrounding area. 
It isn't as smooth or as kind as going back east to the prayer rock. It will cut half a day's ride from the trip. Kira removed herself from his arms and sat at the table. She was ready to discuss the return trip, though her mind wished to be elsewhere. Kira is right. Though the road is often plagued by creatures coming out of the forest, it will be faster, agreed Lista as she sat across from Kira. Both smiled at each other as though they had just won the most significant battle and now ruled the world. That will be our route, then. We need to travel as fast as we can. Can a ruse keep up with the galloping horses? Kira considered the animal for a moment and nodded. He will do well. On this road, we will not need to stop as frequently as we did on the way here. Our break should be enough for him, and he will be able to hunt at the edge of the forest. Hannah nodded. We must get our gear in order, and sleep. We ride at daybreak. He rose and turned to a servant at the door. Lead me to my chamber, and tell Arus to come. He sleeps near me. My darlings, you must rest. I feel your weariness in your hearts and heads. With a last look at the princesses, he followed the servant down the hall. His look spoke more than his words, his concern for their well-being foremost in his mind. Kira turned quickly to Lista after the prince left, concern etched in her face. What did we do, Lista? We bound our lives to him? Did we perform his own people's marriage rituals before the wedding? What will his people think of us? Kira looked frightened at the thought. Lista took the tome and placed it in a servant's hands, indicating she should take it to her chambers. We did as we needed to save his life. In my own opinion, it is worth sharing him with you. I have begun to care for you as a sister since the ritual in the forest. There will be yelling and crying adjustments to be made, but there will be an unbreakable bond. If you live to love Hannah, I will as well. We will learn quickly to control it. We both have sharp minds. You are right, Lista. We do love him. We love his strength and kindness, his bravery and fear. We will endure and blossom together. We will be worth more to their kingdom than our own. Our parents will have to agree now. Kira agreed and rose to be shown the way to her chamber. Come now, ladies, go to sleep. You can't sit there and debate who loves me more all night. Lista rolled her eyes at Hannah's attempt at humor, and Kira just giggled as she walked through the door. The long night ahead, looming great in her eyes, Kira's mind was restless. Many thoughts ran through her mind before she could settle into sleep, her thoughts producing a headache and bad dreams. Well, what a wild ride. Well, that's all the time that we have for this week. Don't forget to tune in next week for our first book review. Our first book the year before the end is really shaping up to be a great read, and our author, Vider Hulkstead, has kindly provided a special interview for you guys. It's going to be a great episode. Don't miss it. We still have plenty of space on the schedule for more book reviews and author interviews if you're interested. 
just DM me at Everseries on Twitter or find us on Facebook. I did want to thank the 20 or so of you people that have downloaded all of my episodes so far, especially Mahani and my best friend Eve. I also wanted to point out I am not a professional at this, so my audio skills are a bit lacking. Also, our dear bird, Matcha, loves her voice. What's your name? Who you like? So you might hear her every once in a while. That is it for today, and we will see you next time. Interested in hearing more? Have a question? Want the book? Find us on Facebook, Goodreads, and Twitter under every E-V-E-R-I. Catch the novels and audiobooks on Amazon and Audible. Shoot me some discussion questions. Catch you next time. Every. Interested in hearing more? Have a question? Want the book? Find us on Facebook, Goodreads, and Twitter under Every. E-V-E-R-I. Catch the novels and audiobooks on Amazon and Audible. Shoot me some discussion questions. Catch you next time. Every.